Welcome back to season two of the Learn Fresh podcast. My name is Nick Monzi, CEO and co-founder of Learn Fresh, and I'm joined by my co-host Calvin Seibert, our chief academic officer, aka Coach Calvin, aka Smooth Junior, aka the game changer of education. Changing the game. If you listen to any of season one, you know that on this podcast, we talk about the intersection between education and community. How does the broader community provide value to the education sector, our schools, and out-of-school time programs? And what can education do to prepare students for the broader world? We're super excited to be here today to dig a little bit deeper into Calvin's story. Calvin spent over 20 years in the classroom teaching math uh, across Michigan and Detroit, Kalamazoo, and some other communities. And after uh, in learning about the MBA Math Hoops program, implementing the MBA Math Hoops program, he decided to take the leap out of the classroom and join the Learn Fresh team uh, a few years ago now. So we're going to spend some time talking to Calvin about his experience in the classroom, the decision to transition to a different part of the education sector, and some of the things that he would recommend educators think about as they're weighing whether to keep their talents in the school building or in the out-of-school time space or move into a different part of the sector. So um, with that, Calvin, let's go ahead and get started. I'd love to have you just share a little bit about what initially inspired you to pursue a career in education. What was the spark um, from when you were younger, um, from when you were a kid that got you pumped up about the idea of helping to change the lives of kids? So I have to start off with... Uh... My, my first dream was uh, to be a basketball player. <laughs> I was supposed to be in the NBA hooping with the, you know, with those players. But uh, throughout life, you know, uh, I started to realize that injuries can kind of affect that. <laughs> and so being that my family uh, are educators, my grandmother, my, my uncle, my aunts, um, my father, you know, I, I come from the education space, but I, I originally wanted to stay in the sports spot. That was my, like, uh, sports is it. Um, but I remember um, in 1997, I, uh, I, I made a decision to, uh, to change my major to education. I started off uh, at Western Michigan University uh, in the business field, and uh, that that wasn't wasn't my thing. I just have to say it like that. The classes they didn't they were very challenging, but you know I've had some challenging things. I don't, I don't want to just leave it and just say it was just too challenging. It just it wasn't interesting to me. It wasn't it wasn't what was uh, keeping my attention. Um, it wasn't it wasn't it. And um, ironically, that year um, I started to tap into um, more of my spiritual side and trying to kind of did some soul searching to f figure out what am I doing here on this planet? <laughs> what's my, what's my purpose here? And, uh, the more that I did that, I, I discovered, uh, that my, my niche was teaching. And I remember, uh, my first substitute teaching position that I had, <laughs> I remember I, it was, uh, my counselor, she said, you know, you can make $65 a day being a substitute teacher. So, <laughs> and, uh, I remember thinking at that stage, that was a lot of money for a, a junior in college, $65 in one day. So that was definitely, uh, that, that, that was exciting to know that. And then to go into the school and pretty much to walk into my destiny in that moment was like, you know, I didn't know. I did it based on what my counselor suggested. And when I sat in that classroom and sat at that chair, it was that moment of um, sitting in that seat and realizing, like, this might be it. And then um, at, the, at the time, I was at a middle school. I was in a middle school setting, and it was just like it was just this natural feel, uh, communicating with the kids, uh, the classroom management, the things that that you need to have were already it was already there for me and uh that's when i realized like wow teaching is this is going to be it and i went back to my counselor and i said thanks for telling me to be a sub you know to figure out the substitute space 
substitute teaching and she said uh what do you want what are you going to do now i was like i'm changing my major and she's she was so happy she's like you're going to be a teacher are you serious and i'm like yes this is it i i'm going to help change these kids lives watch <laughs> and uh that's where it started the beginning stages was I guess it's kind of like uh, when you, it, it made me feel similar to when my dad gave me the basketball. And he's like, this is how you shoot the ball. I don't know if I made that first shot, but it, it felt good. And uh, it was like taking a chance on doing something that most people that look like me and most people that, most of my friends were not going to education. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was not it. So it, it was something different. Um, and it was something that felt really natural when I when I stepped into the class. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, too, so we talked about this on an earlier conversation, but the power of having black male educators for our students is significant. It's a group of folks within the sector that's been growing over time, but it's still generally underrepresented when you consider the full population of teachers. Being kind of an early mover in that space, if you will, like, what, it, what did you see as kind of the value for your identity and your background and your history being a reference point for students in the classroom? So it was really uh, a surprise to me. I, I was not really getting into the teaching game. <laughs> I got to call it the teaching game. I wasn't really uh, getting in that space to say, look at everybody. I look at how I look and this is how I'm going to make a difference. It wasn't that. It was more of, um th these children need to have the right role models and influences and it doesn't me personally i did not have a a black male teacher until i was in college and that was really i didn't i didn't i didn't really care for that too much so when i when i made the decision to be a teacher it was like i started to understand like oh okay so now now I will be able to kind of be like an influence, uh, a role model to the kids that may not have that in their community. So it, it, it turned into, now here's what I can do now that I'm in this space. And I made it really uh, one, of the, one of the real big things um, in my community is uh, making sure that you stay fresh. <laughs> Staying fresh is really important. Uh, it keeps it keeps the jokes off of you. <laughs> it keeps uh, you know the, the the it keeps the bullies kind of away. <laughs> but um, you know, kind of staying fresh. And what I mean by that is like, you know, uh, I made sure to you know have like really really um, colorful shirts, really colorful shirts and shirts and ties. And I wanted my belts to match my shoes and. I wanted to make sure that I had a crispy lineup every day for, you know, for my for my young boys in the classroom that I felt like needed to see that, you know, in our community. Sometimes, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a little different. You won't see you won't see a lot of the positive influences on in your day to day. You know, it's almost like a, a special thing to see somebody, you know, that that looks different. And I said, wow, I, I have a space in 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 my classroom every day. You know, and every kid in the school, they know who I am because I'm the only black male in the school. <laughs> I'm the only teacher here. So you're going to get, you know, you're going to get these specific things that I think are important. My father uh, was influential for me in that space of how he dressed. My dad wore shirts and ties every day and, and kept his hair neat and kept this. He was this crispy, clean dude. <laughs> and I was like. I want to be like that. <laughs> I, want, I think that's really cool to be like that. Even though uh, my the influences in my neighborhood, they didn't look like that. So it was like I had I had my father to look at, and then uh, the hip hop community. Just that that whole space kind of put a little bit of a remix on it. You know, it was like I our community says you got to wear Jordans, and I'm like I can't afford Jordans, so I'm gonna find another pair of shoes. <laughs> that are pretty cool that can match, you know, a dress shirt or match a polo shirt and kind of have my own style. Excuse me, Kanye, I get out the way with the polos. I can rock them too. So it was like a, a space where I, I was able to create pretty much how, 
how how another black male can look, you know, in the professional space. And I remember a lot of my uh, young black boys would say, I like those shoes, Mr. Seibert, and I like that tie, Mr. Seibert. And I would, those were the moments where I was like, yep, this is why I'm doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not going to miss a day because <laughs> I want the kids to know that they can um, have, you know, they, they can dress this way and they don't have to sag their pants or wear clothes that are too big to fit in. You know, you can be who you, can be who you are. Yeah. Yeah, I love the story of your dad and your parents and the connection to who you became as a person and then how you took some of the lessons that you were given as a younger man and then passed that along to your students. And that's always been so apparent to me in the way that you talk about your your family and then the way you talk about your students as well. Um, Could you share any areas of, I guess, frustration as well as satisfaction from your time in the classroom? You know, what's, what's one or two things that stood out to you as being real challenges in terms of the process of being a teacher and the process of engaging kids and getting your own message across in a space in which so many things are standardized? And then what are some areas where, you, you know, one or two things where you feel like you had a, a, a lot of success? Okay. So I'll start with the challenging. So. Uh, the, one of the most challenging things that stands out in the 20 years um, has to be the parent influence and the parent support. It's uh, it's really tough to know that you're doing more than what a parent is. It's really tough to, to know that you are making more of a difference. And I and I'm saying that to say there have been so many parents that if they could get on board there would be there could possibly be an instant change if parents would get on board with with what is going on in the classroom community. It's one of the things that um, that I remember are my students and just me having that time with them. And then them going home and that going out the window, the things that I was sharing, the, the, the seeds that I was dropping on my students, for them to go home and for it to be wiped out, is that's tough for me. And it was. Um, to know that Parents, a lot of times, don't have the teachers back, or and and not even necessarily teachers back. Sometimes parents don't have their own kids back, and I have to say it like that, because teachers see it. Uh, a lot of times, educators are given the responsibility for everything, and that is so tough. It's so tough to have to to teach all the subjects, you know, or or even a specific subject. And to 30 plus kids and to hope that the parent is kind of helping their kid or being involved with their homework or checking on them. And to know that is that it's not happening. To know that, um, you know, students need. Need that support from their family and to know that they're not getting it, that is a really challenging space to to and to even know that you got to come back and you still got to do your job and your job goes beyond you know a classroom teacher's job goes beyond the lesson plan you know that that was another frustrating part in the beginning stages like the importance of having the lesson plan done knowing good and well good and well that the lesson plan can be adjusted it it can you might not be able to get to this part because you had to deal with something something else that was going on you know, before social emotional learning was the topic, it had to be taught. It had, it was just something that was already there. Um, it wasn't in the lesson plan. <laughs> so uh, I, I just can recall me realizing that every day I'm going to come back and have to redo what 
I had going good. And then to know that there are going to be parent conferences where we need to all be on the same page. And it doesn't even happen. It doesn't happen or you don't even get to see the parents. That used to be really frustrating for me to know that the, the students that didn't necessarily need so much support, they, you know, they were pretty good. Um, those parents were there for conferences. But the, but the students that really needed the help, you didn't see those parents. And that's a, that is really challenging as an educator, a teacher, to know that you are doing all you can in the classroom and you can't get a high five from, from a parent in that space. You can't get a, you know, it, the saying is it takes a village to raise a child. But I feel like in the, in, in the years of teaching, sometimes it has been just me. Like literally, like the, the, the village is not there. No, you got to do it. And then you have to redo it. And then you got to teach it again. Uh, I made a joke one year and I said, <laughs> and I, I'm going to say it. Uh, my parents are actually babysitting my, stu my students over the weekend. <laughs> That's how I used to say it. These are my kids. Yeah. And, and over the weekend, I'm going to have to redo so much of my parenting teaching in the classroom because I know over the weekend... It gets thrown out the window and uh but that's that's a big reason why i chose to be a teacher because i knew i knew that it was going to be a challenge and i'm actually one of the guys that likes challenges i'm i'm okay with a challenge a challenge is not something that i'm just going to throw out the window a challenge is something that i'm going to i'm going to try you know um so being a being an educator it puts you in a space to have to Try all all of your options because you've got so many different students with different personalities and different backgrounds, and it it actually is it's a plus to to know a lot to know a lot of different backgrounds of different people and to to know different languages and not even different languages. I'm I'm gonna go into the space of love languages. You have to know what your student needs and and how they respond to this and how they respond to that. And, and after all the years of the teaching, it was like, I, it, I almost got to a point where I was like, I've experienced every kid. I've seen all of this before. There's nothing new. I, 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 yep, I've seen this before. <laughs> and, and it made me almost like playing a video game. You, you've seen this mode before. You know on Mario Brothers, you're going to have to face those uh, those turtles. You know those turtles are coming with those hammers. So, you know, you got to duck down or jump. And it's the same thing in the classroom. It was the moment of, you know, once once you perfect your craft, you'll start to realize that this is the same type of student. This student needs more attention. Actually, I remember a student that needed to be by me during the, during the class at all times. Like that made him feel comfortable. And most teachers wouldn't allow that. I did, and he got his work done, and he, and it was okay to him. It, like, whereas the average teacher probably wouldn't be okay with that, and even the, maybe even a principal or an administrator coming in, like, why is this student right here? You know, because it's okay. This is how he. This is what works best for him, and he gets his work done. Better yet, why don't you come in on a day where he sits by everyone and watch how that goes? <laughs> so it's like it's pretty much like figuring figuring out your own your own space and making it better for all of the kids that are going to be in that space. And it takes time. I, you know, my first year of teaching, I wouldn't say that I dropped the ball, but I learned a lot. I learned more in my first year of teaching than I did. I feel like than I did in the college time because college will give you, um, it, it, they'll give you the tools and things, but they won't actually show you what to do when that kid is in your classroom and you need to, you need to handle that situation right there. You can't go to your your uh, you can't go to your teacher stuff and say, "Hold on, kids, I gotta go and figure out how to handle this situation." No, you gotta be able to shoot off the hip and understand exactly, you know, what that kid may need. And um, and I'm thankful that I've been able to experience, you know, I would say pretty much all types of kids. 
you know, and, and it, it has given me so much patience. But a lot of people say teachers have a lot of patience, which is why we go into the teacher space. But I've seen teachers that don't have a lot of patience. So don't 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 put that hat on all teachers. <laughs> some teachers have a lot of yeah. patience and some don't. <laughs> Yeah, and I've seen that. I've seen that empathy from you with all the different students that we're working with, and teachers too across the country. You, the experience shows because you can see that you've worked through all sorts of scenarios with all types of kids from all different backgrounds. And I think that awareness and that experience as a teacher is so important. It's something that's hard to get when you start, but it's something that becomes so so valuable over time. And I think it's certainly something that we undervalue. A couple other things that I just want to lift up that you said. One is the parent connection. You know, as an organization that spends a lot of time historically working in the out of school time and in school classroom space, you know, we've been thinking a lot more over this year with students spending time at home uh, due to COVID. You know, how can we draw connections, meaningful, relevant connections between the home as a learning space and then these other places where students are engaging education. And I think that's such a, a critical question for all organizations. I think everyone has a responsibility to think about the ways that out of school time and in school education can meaningly, meaningfully engage with and relate to the home. And obviously there are hurdles in terms of, you can only do so much in terms of providing the platform or providing the space or doing the outreach and it needs to be reciprocated by the family. But Certainly, there's an opportunity there. The other thing that I just want to lift up, you, you mentioned something briefly about social-emotional learning, and that being something that has always been there. And I think you get to the heart of something that I think is so important, which is social-emotional learning needs to have a place within the class, right? And whereas, you know, 20 years ago when you were starting, it may not have been a topic of conversation at all. You know, it, it may have been there in 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 reality with students having different needs and different supports and, you know, having different situations pop up that you as the teacher need to support them through. Um, I know as a student, you know, I had those moments too. And my educators weren't always the best at, at supporting me through those processes. But over the last, you know, 15, 10, 10, 15 years or so, social emotional learning has become a real topic of conversation, a real content area. The question is, are we still leaving space for it? Are we, when we plan out our math class or our science class or our history class, thinking about content as being purely the facts and information that we're delivering to students and the, the substance of the curriculum? Or are we looking at that experience as uh, something that includes and, is, and needs this interpersonal character focused learning. I know many teachers like you are, are great at that. Um, and you could see it, you know, your first year when you were working with Matthews, you created this immersive experience for students that touched not only on math skills, but on all these other elements of what could get a student excited about the classroom. But is that happening at scale? Probably not, maybe. Um, definitely an area and an opportunity for growth. So I'd like to ask you, you know, based upon your experience as a teacher, if you could identify one or two things that you would change about the, the sector, and I don't necessarily mean, you know, student engagement or anything like that, um, but about the way that school is set up as an institution, um, about the way that we're delivering information to kids about standards, content, administration, anything, what are the one or two things that stand out to you as being like, if I, if I could change that, I would do it in a heartbeat. So I would change um, the, the business side of education. So, and what I mean by that is, so one year I, I decided to have my students pretty much experience a classroom business setting like everybody has a job in the classroom everybody gets paid 
everyone is helping each other. Um, we're all following these rules. We've got a speaker in the class. We've got a mayor in the class. We've got a police officer in the class. Uh, we just have everything that kind of mimics like their own city. But we have that in the classroom. And in having that in the classroom, what it created is now a, 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 a classroom community of students that are understanding what the real world is all about. Now, I did this with a sixth grade group and uh, carried it over to seventh grade. But that system, and I called it the money system, that system, it created a whole different level of how the kids treated each other, how they looked at their assignments, how like working to get paid type of things, financial literacy was slid on in, um, you know, teaching online banking systems. They had their on, they were getting direct deposit. They had to pay for the chair rental, the iPad rental, the DTE bill, the, the Wi-Fi bill. I tied all of those things in and that group of students, they maxed out on, on that. It was like, it was the, it was a pilot thing that I did, but it was like, wow, like if this was a, if this was a school and the whole school ran this, oh my goodness, like that would be the, that would be like the coolest thing to come in and have like, oh, I can apply to be, you know, the classroom doctor or the classroom speaker or the classroom helper or the classroom janitor or just you know whatever like there was a place for everyone in the class and and then to go back and look on your laptop and to see that you got paid this week and then to see that not real money of course online money but and then to be able to see that you can that that i'm going to open up a store on the week you know on friday on fun friday and and you can use the money that you that you earned for doing your job and getting good grades. Like education has turned into a fun system. You just have to find the right vehicles with the fun tools with them because that's, and that's really what I wanted to do as a teacher. I, I said I wanted to be the teacher that I never had. I never had a teacher that was really fun to me. When I was in school, it wasn't about fun learning. It was about getting the work done and getting an A or a B, <laughs> like getting a good grade. And that was just it. So once I was able to be in the space of education, I said, I'm going to change the game. <laughs> How am I going to change the game? I'm going to do things that I've never seen other teachers do. So let's start here. On Fridays, I'm going to have a reward system where I'm going to bring my PlayStation in and the kids that get good grades, I'm going to let them play the PlayStation, um, you know, during the fun Friday time and during recess time. Now that in itself kind of, I remember teachers were mad at me <laughs> for doing that. They were like, what are you? Now this is unheard of. You've got a video game in your class. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to make it fun. I want to make learning fun here. And they didn't realize that um, the management behind it wasn't so hard. You know, it, it was, but I'm a gamer. So I was like, I had to use the things that I was good at doing and the things that I was comfortable doing to add that to my classroom. Um, so that I, I feel like the things that, each educator brings to the table. They just can never, you can never brush them all off the table. You, you got to use the stuff that you've been doing. And whatever you're excited about, the kids will be. Just like when I taught NBA math hoops, I was so pumped up about it because I had never seen anything like it that the kids had no, no way but to be just as excited as me. There was no other way. It was like, wow, my teacher is pumped. Like, and he's serious. <laughs> like, and so... I feel like that's what 
that's like the missing piece in the classroom is that, and I don't know if they're still teaching this, but I was told that I couldn't be myself as a teacher. I was told I could not smile. I was I would never have classroom management. Um, I was told, you know, just specific things to do that I guess certain people don't do that, but I'm different. So I've got to, I've got to see if I smile at the kids. Will I, will I lose my classroom uh, management? And then I saw that 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 wasn't the case. And I'm like, hmm. So all these things that they're saying that you can't do, you actually can. You just have to do it a specific way. You got to be able to try it at least, because that'd be like me saying. If a principal or somebody said, you can never bring a video game in and have fun with your kids. That's not true. You got to you got to have some type of management behind it, though. You got There's got to be we got to take turns and better yet. Let's do it even more fun. Let's let's say you got to play your teacher, <laughs> play your teacher. That way I'm going to get to play all the kids. <laughs> all of that. As long as you get a good grade, you know, I know how to play the game. So play your teacher. You know, I remember didn't they. A game show stole that idea. I didn't give it away, but the game show. Are you smarter than your teacher? Are you smarter than your fifth grader? Like there are people are figuring it out, but not really sharing it. You gotta share that that was one of the main things that uh that I realized the first school that I started teaching at, um, there wasn't a lot of sharing of information. Everybody wanted to hold on to their tips, and it was like, uh Maybe I should share this, you know, maybe, maybe if I share this strategy with another teacher, maybe their classroom will run, run a little bit better. But that was the, that was one of the things that stood out to me was that the things that I tried that were not the normal things in the classroom were the things that really worked. <laughs> and uh, that, What does that say about the that, system? <laughs> the things that, what does right, that, say? that says a lot, like kids... Kids, um, you know, when you have that group of kids that have a hard time sitting down in their seat the whole day, and then you let that kid stand up and do their work, and then you realize they're done already. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other kids are like, "Hey, I want to stand up and do my work." Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, like, so the the fellows that we've talked to, they all express frustration, even in the interview process with all the finalists. Time and time again, teachers were saying, basically, I, I, what I came to be, what I came to the education sector to be, the identity that I wanted to bring into the classroom, in some way has been stifled by the system that's in place. And I think folks who are creative and want to put that energy and personal passion into the work are able to work around it. But the anecdotal evidence from most teachers that I've ever talked to <laughs> is that the system that we have in place stifles their creativity. And oftentimes the experiences that students remember the most are the things that are outside of the system, that are personal to the teacher and are embedded in the passions of the educators in front of them in the room. So that's that I totally agree is a fundamental flaw of the system. And I think the, the piece that you're bringing up around the money system project that you implemented specifically and the power of bringing practical external real world learning into the classroom particularly around like how to manage your life how to manage your finances how to run a business how to operate in a job like when i think about where that fit in in my high school education for me it was personally nowhere and i know that there's a class that i think there was a class in the school that had something to do with financial literacy or something along those lines maybe it was a business administration class but it was a class that you know one percent of the graduating class took you know or two percent of the graduating class took so it wasn't something that was common for everyone even though those are skills that we all need so we're left with a system where when you know we always say to kids who are leaving college we're like good luck in the real world they're like Welcome to the real world, right? Like that is just an indication that the system sucks. Like <laughs> we've put together a system that doesn't actually prepare you for the real world and like spits you out without the core and like essential personal character based tactical skills that you need to progress as an individual. And if 
if we embedded that in learning from a much under, younger age, made it a standard of the way that we teach students, and then continued that all the way through college, that practical learning would probably make us a lot more successful as a society. Right, just like the uh, the Get Rich, um, the Rob, no, not Get Rich, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Like, so what you were saying, if you're not getting that in the classroom, then I guess the world is saying, then you you're gonna you need to get it at home. Then, so what about the parent that has no knowledge on what on that, and how can they share that with their kid? They can't. So now we're talking about two different levels of one parent is teaching at home, and then the other parent isn't. So now you got two kids that one is more advanced because their parent is giving them more information and the other kid is missing out because it's not being taught in school. So I feel like that's what that's what I was able to do that year for that for those for that group of kids. They were able to understand so much and uh and the deep part about it is that that information that they're getting that they got that year, I'm so certain that they they remember it and and when they get their first job and realize that whatever $200 check they get on their first <laughs> job, that they can't just spend it all and there's going to be things that they need to take care of first, they're going to, I know they're going to remember me saying, because I remember a student said, how come, what is all this stuff taken out of my right, account? Right, right, right. <laughs> like, and that's, that, is, that is a reaction that people have in the real world all the time when you get your first paycheck. Like, Where did all this money go, right? But if you learn that in advance, like how does that take that you are for success and like i think it's also important to call out too just the there are like systemic structural things that have led the education system to be what it is right now preparing folks for rank and file jobs and you know to, to create separation between classes like there are there are reasons why the system is the way it is but there are opportunities there should be systemic level opportunities to change that moving forward and I'm so glad you said that because I had a student, well, I switched the jobs up. They were switched out um, every two months. I, I didn't want anyone to just keep doing the same thing for the whole year. I wanted it to kind of circulate. Everybody get a feel of what every job is, which was hard to do, but I was able to kind of still shuffle it around. I remember the student that I had, um, he was a really, uh, he was really quiet. And kind of had some behavior issues. I, I got it. His dad wasn't at home with him. And he, he thought he was the man of the house at seventh grade and things like that. So um, I remember he he asked for uh, the door holder job. He wanted to hold the door, you know, for the ladies. Because I was always big on, you know, to be a gentleman, you hold, young men, you hold the door for the young ladies. And I remember he asked for that job. And he got that job. Um, and I remember he was having these issues in, a, in another class uh, with, a, with one of the other teachers. Um, and I remember pulling him to the side and saying, uh, you know, you got to be respectful, man, to all people. And women, women are not being treated like they should. And these women teachers that are here, man, you got to give them the same respect, man, that you give me, man. Like if I... If I see you not giving a woman respect, another teacher here, like it doesn't make me feel comfortable, man. It makes me feel like you might you might not get it because that's how you're you're supposed to be respectful in in any class, even if I'm not around. And do you know the the next job he asked was uh he said he wanted to be my assistant. Now every assistant that I had, they were always the young lady. Always the young ladies wanted to be the assistant because they got to kind of help out with attendance and things like that. Um, but he asked to be the my assistant. And I was like, wow. Like, that was almost like the opposite of what all the the boys were, were doing. Like, none of the boys wanted to be the assistant. They wanted to do the other jobs. And when he asked that, I was like, wow. And I was like, we'll, we'll see for next, you know, for the next one because they actually had to apply for the job. They had an interview amazing. process and everything, like, because I wanted them to know, you know, how to communicate and how to, you know, all of that, just all of it in one. And um, 
he ended up getting the job, but I just I just throw that out there to say the one of the toughest kids in the class in the school that had these issues, giving him a leadership role, it changed him. It, he didn't he didn't want to be that way anymore. And that's what I feel like in the classroom, the classroom can change lives. I mean, I said I want to change kids' lives mm-hmm. with the right with the right tool yeah. and with the right conversation and with the right one-on-one and with the right heart-to-heart like for real heart-to-heart like i love you man like i told him like and even saying that boys don't hear they love you from men that's one like one of the one of the scary things because men are afraid to say it but I, i used to say things like that to my students like so that they would know like genuinely like you are you guys are my kids outside of my home man mm-hmm. like I see y'all every day. Like, come on, let's get it. Mm-hmm. Let's get this. Let's get this education. Let's get this respect. Let's let's work hard for what for everything that we want. Yeah. And when we mess up, let's get right back into it. Let's apologize to that teacher that you were being rude to, because that'll show her that you're even more respectful because you're apologizing. And so, that was a really unique year that I was that I piloted uh, the money system. Because it did more than I even thought it was going to do. You know, I was more kind of just focusing on the financial literacy part. But it, it brought in so much social emotional pieces and just character building. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of kids think that, you know, it's easy that this world is going to just lay out this red carpet for them and, and allow them to walk into this world and pick a career and and it's just all going to work out. And I, I, I wanted to be the... Not the bad news teacher, but the teacher that says, let's just be for real. Though. Yeah. What do you want to do and what are your, how are you going to make it happen? Yeah. Don't just, don't just tell me you're going to make it to the NBA and you're not even on the basketball team in middle school. That Keep it, keep it real with me, everybody. And that's how I wanted to, that's, that was the classroom space that I, that I created where we could be honest and be for real about what what we want to do and if you say you're going to do it then we're going to hold you accountable and 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 if you really want to make it on the team and you're not on the team i'm cool with coach walker i can i can get you on i can, <laughs> I can find out if there's another uh something that you really want to do if you really want to do it yeah but if you don't want to work hard at it don't put don't don't have me yeah step out for you you know so so I think the the point just around the mentorship and kind of the leadership that you provided for that student and just the, you know, without you there, he probably doesn't have that same transformation or doesn't have that same opportunity opened up to him. So that's the, again, the importance of having representation and, you know, you as a black male educator with your student, being able to provide him with that voice and vehicle. Um, And as an educator, I feel like, so you would be like, oh, the book is closed. Like after you taught yeah. him, he goes out and figures it out. No, it, the book is not closed because he has my social media account. Yeah. He has access to me. So he can reach out to me on Snapchat and ask me anything, call me. And and believe it or not, sometimes my students do. Yeah, They know that they can still, you know, they have that source. And I feel like there's not one teacher in the world that I feel like I could reach back out to and say, "Hey, <laughs> right, see, uh, yeah, hand. maybe like, a couple. There... <laughs> I, I may have had like one or two, I, one or two in my entire life, but yeah, I think that's such a unique thing. I think that is special. Yeah, the other piece around just like telling your students that you care for them, or you love them, or whatever, like the vulnerability of that. I've experienced that too in my moments teaching in the music education space, particularly when there are real challenges or when there's a, when there's a hard moment for your kids, like showing vulnerability and showing that you care and like being open about that can be really powerful. Whereas I think some teachers like put up a wall. I want to talk a little bit now about your transition to the work that we're doing with Learn Fresh and just the space outside of the school building. Um, I'm sure in some ways, after 20 years of teaching in the classroom, it was a welcome and exciting change. 
there was probably something about your personal mission that fueled your desire to level up, as you say, and like move on to the next thing in your career. I'm sure the personal connections to the students that you didn't leave behind because you still have those connections in a sense, but stopped accruing new ones, I guess, that leaving that was probably challenging. But if you could just, you know, talk a little bit about what are, what is like the top easiest thing about the transition, like the thing that was a no-brainer for you, um, and maybe the hardest thing about the transition? So that's, I love this story. <laughs> so I remember my wife, she said, uh, you've been in the classroom for 20 years. What is the next thing on your plate? Do you want to be the principal, the assistant principal, the dean, or any? And I remember saying, I don't want to be the principal. I don't want to be an assistant principal. And I've been a dean before. And I remember telling her, um, I, I don't want to be on the administration level in a school because I haven't seen it done effectively. And it's like, I don't, that's not a space that I really want to go into. But I, but what I did say this program here, this MBA math program would probably be the only way that I would leave the classroom because I see how it is. It works. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and, you know, after being a teacher and seeing so many programs not work, you finally find one that does work and it's got the NBA on it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really nice outfit on top of it. <laughs> um, so it was almost like that was the no-brainer. Like, I I would if, if this company would reach out to me. But I, I, I kind of had, I just threw it out there. I wasn't, I didn't really think that there was going to be a position that opened up. I, I just was like, you know, I, I'll take a half-court Steph Curry shot. Real quick, it, yeah, it could happen. Worst that could happen is they say no. <laughs> but I'm still going to do this as if, <laughs> you know, uh, this was my last time doing it. You know, I want to do this the, the best way possible. I want to I want to beat all the other teachers. I want to be the best NBA math hoops teacher. And I want my students to uh, <laughs> to shine at the same time with it. So um, it so that part was okay. it was easy for me to say that now when the actual offer letter came <laughs> it was like wow i i i can be with learn fresh and nba math hoops now so it was so the deep part um that i really haven't shared with anyone but my students kept saying you're going to end up working for NBA math hoops. They were saying it. I don't know why, but they were they they were putting it in the atmosphere. Of course, they didn't want me to leave because I was going to be their teacher for the next year. So I taught that group 6th grade year and then the 7th grade year I taught them NBA math hoops and then the next year I would have been following them to 8th grade. So um that would have been my third year with that group. But I remember telling them things like, you just never know. Like, you should appreciate every teacher when you have them because you just never know. Like, teachers have real lives, too, and sometimes there are ups and downs and things that happen. But, you know, when you have a good teacher, just, you know, appreciate that teacher and appreciate those days because you never know what could happen. And uh, so the tough part the toughest part for me was to go back to the school and to let my students know that I wasn't returning that year. Um, it was tough, but that was just the feeling behind it. Like me, like I, I like not like I'm letting y'all down, but this happened. And because you guys were such amazing students, now this has happened. <laughs> so 
almost like thanks to you guys. Like, if you guys wouldn't have done the program, then I would be going to eighth grade with you all, pretty much. So, yeah, that's deep. I love um, that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I put it. I kind of put it back on them. Like you guys, we went. We made it to the national championship. Like, like we did a. This was a like a, an amazing year for us with this program, and this was our first year doing it. So, um, the part of feeling like, oh well, would you do another year in the classroom? Of course, I would have done another year in the classroom if Learn Fresh wouldn't have reached out to me. I would have just done another NBA math hoops year. Like it would have been, I would have tried to run it back and try to probably try to try to win the championship this year because we came in second place. <laughs> but um, I feel like that was the moment where um, the NBA was a, always a special place for me. I always that's been my favorite professional sport. Just the NBA has always been my thing. So. Um, People, I've heard people always say sometimes you have to maximize this, the right season at the mm-hmm. right time. And I feel like if I would have uh, kind of put that program on the on myself, like how some people do with different programs, and if I would have put that on the shelf and didn't do it effectively in the in the best way that I know I could have done it, then it could have went a different route. I, you know, maybe I wouldn't be on the Learn Fresh team. Um, but I always look at it like. Uh, everything happens for a reason, you know. I, the whole moment happened for a reason, you know. Me, me, uh, being at that school at that time. What if I wasn't even at that school at that time, and it would have been somebody else teaching the program? Um, but I, but I still haven't come across a person that loves the NBA excitement like I do. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's, it's just a little bit different, and the educator behind it. You know, to be given yeah. NBA math hoops. Could you imagine if I was given NBA math hoops my first year in the classroom? My first year teaching? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I might not be able to even do it as good <laughs> because I don't have, I, I didn't necessarily have the classroom management. I didn't have the confidence. It was my first year in the classroom. So 20 years later, you give me an NBA math hoops program with the confidence and with the swag that I have, it's like, oh, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> Thanks. This is gonna go right <laughs> around. You know, I, you know, I was already thinking of how I was gonna turn my classroom around and make it something sweet. I don't even have to be creative this year. I can use what I already have and just add to it. <laughs> so yeah. So to that point, because your personal passion for the pro the NBA Matthews program in particular and that experience is off the charts. What about your work right now and your role now allows you to really fulfill your mission in education in a way that you wouldn't have been able to do in the classroom? So the fact that um, me being the teacher for the 20 years, I was only committed to that school, to that school, to that classroom. And I've always been the type of person that has wanted to change the whole world. And just Detroit is it's not enough for me. I'm going to be honest. Just Detroit. I know I'm making a difference here. I know the kids are, are you know, the, the, the city, the community. They know who I am. Um, but there's something different when you can go across the world. There's something different about the students that I can influence in another state. There's something different about teachers that I can share my story with all across the world. And um, what I see, it, it's it's like, um, what, what do they call it? Like you reach your ceiling. Like I feel like my classroom, there was this ceiling that I was like, I just can't, I can only do what's here. And I'm doing it. I'm doing it here, but it's this is all I can only touch this area. And so when um even being interviewed for the for the position, uh being asked, how do you feel about traveling? Traveling, you know, across the world and and that's something that I haven't even been able to do. And then I thought about it like, wow, so wow, going to have an influence on kids all across the world. So 
Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> right. So I feel like now in this space that I'm in, I'm able to travel all over and share a, an education program that is effective. And I did it. So it's like everywhere I go, I'm hopping in. I'm, I'm telling the, the Uber drivers and I'm, I'm just telling everybody about this program that people don't know. We don't have the commercials. The commercials don't come on. <laughs> we're, not, we're, we're not sharing it like that. And so the word of mouth um, aspect, which, you know, I'm a communicator, so I love doing that. So I love sharing what I'm passionate about. And, and that's what I find myself doing all over. You know, these national championships that we host and we've got kids from all over, all over the United States and able to communicate with them and to realize like, because people always say, Calvin, you know, you've got this gift with kids, like kids just draw to you like they and I'm like and I'm like, I, I know I, I noticed that my first day substitute teaching. And so it hasn't went anywhere. It's just where can I go now? Oh, I can go anywhere. in Janice? Oh, my gosh. Let's go. <laughs> Where are we going? NBA math hoops is coming. Just know that. I mean, from from on the planes to the kids sitting, you know, just kids all over. Here's the NBA math hoop sticker, <laughs> and and you know, it's just it's really exciting for me. And the passion, the passion is genuine, which is why everybody can can feel yeah. it. It's it's like it's like being given the best tool that you really would want to have to teach and get your point across and having it yeah <laughs> it's like it's... yeah and I've, i so i mean i've always admired and connected with the part of you that has that like the eagle mentality i love that moment i love the way that you described that um and if you like listening back to the first episode just the the perspectives that we each have on that are really powerful i would imagine there are other educators like us, you know, I've always worked in a more informal learning env environment. You were always in a, in a classroom space. There are folks who share that vision and that ambition and that passion and energy, but they feel like they're just like locked in, you know? And I know today, like, you there are other vehicles that you can use you know if you have a story to tell as an educator you can use social media right you can be creative on social media and have a theme and tell a story and share your narrative um but i think it's rare to have the opportunity like you're talking about to have something that's like so relevant and connected to your passion that allows you to take your experience in the classroom and then branch out and share that with the world, but it's not impossible. So if you're consulting with another teacher, you know, let's say that there's another teacher that is on her network, right? And she's been teaching for 15 years and has a, a bunch of experience, um, or, or maybe even is younger and has been teaching for three or four years and has built up a good reservoir of knowledge. And now feels like there's this opportunity that's out there for her or him to expand uh, their vision and their mission, their personal mission in education through another lane in the sector, right? And they're at this crossroads where they're having to make a decision between, you know, I'm going to stay with my kids or I'm going to go and, and pursue this new vision or this new avenue. What how would you consult them? What questions would you have them ask themselves? Um, what type of decision-making project process would you encourage them to pursue before deciding which avenue to take? So one, I'd have to get down to what are their goals? Like what, it, what are your goals and what is your mission? Um, what, and, and how much time do you have pretty much to, to, to put that into, to what those are? Um, that would be my first question uh, because it was asked to me, like, are you, um, even, even from the school aspect, the school that I did have to leave, um, it was like, well, what if, what if that company is closed next year? You, you know, you, you're going to end up having to try to come back here, right? Or somewhere. So it was like, uh, 
there's this faith that you got to have too. You got to have faith in what you believe because I could have said the same thing. Like, uh, you know what? I, I don't necessarily want to travel just yet. Or I, or I, I just could have been like, I don't have, I could have said no. I could have just said, I want to, this is what I do. I do classroom uh, to stay safe. I could have, I could have done the safe route, um, but I guess uh, what I notice is that I'm not, I like to take a chance. So the chance um, with, with this opportunity could be beyond, you know, what I'm already doing. And not to say that one is better or, you know, not to compare the two, like what's better. I'm not going to do that, but I'm just going to say, that there there are points in in people's lives where there are these crossroads and uh you do have to make a a decision and but that decision you 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 might want to tie tie in a lot of things you know a lot of the things that are most important to you family and you know um family and finances and and just your vision and your your own what is it that you really want to accomplish because uh, if you don't want, you know, may, maybe some people are, there are safer people. There are people that don't like taking chances. And people that don't like taking chances usually probably won't go the, go the new route. They'll stay right there. Um, but the deep part is, I know that our world is in a different space right now, but a lot of people that or are, were at that school are not even there now. Even some of the ones that were saying that something bad was going to happen in that company hasn't been around long enough and all of that kind of saying the negative stuff because a lot of people kind of a lot of people kind of want you to just stay where you are. A lot of people don't want to see you grow. Um and I don't think it's other people's responsibility to make you grow it's not their responsibility uh we we have our own responsibility to do that for ourselves and 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 we call that the why what is what is your why why that's my first question why if someone would have asked me why do you want to leave the classroom to travel and uh bring this program across the world well that would be an easy one to say because now I've done the program here and now I see that it works and now I can share it across the whole world and and I know it's going to work too like it's I'm going to do the same thing the I don't have to reinvent the wheel you know and so um the main thing about people making a decision that's tough you got to weigh it out Talk with the people that you uh, respect and, and the people that are most important to you. Pro, pro and con it. <laughs> and then make a decision and live with it. That's all. That's, that's the best advice I can give because at least you took the chance. I, I remember... Um, fresh out of college, I had a decision of being a model or going to college. And um, I did not want to take the chance of flying to California and trusting an, a modeling agent to have my life in his hands. I didn't trust that. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I'm going to trust this old I'm going to trust this old degree <laughs> I went to school for. <laughs> I'm going to try this out and, and uh Cause I don't, I, I don't, I don't have it. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want the wrong thing to happen. And then, and then I got to come back and say, oh, I thought I was going to do this. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's funny that I wasn't a risk taker then, <laughs> but now it's like, I, I see the difference though. Um, and then I, I look at it like this. I still kind of got my. Got it out of my system because uh, some people say 
So you wanted to be a model, but now you're a role model. <laughs> so I'm like, that's still uh, kind of in good. the same lane. That's still in the same lane. Yep, yep. yep. You wanted you wanted to, you wanted to be playing in the NBA, but now you're working with a program that's in the NBA. When I do the two, <laughs> I'm looking like yeah, injuries happen a lot, and sometimes, uh, you know, players can have an injury that can end their season, and then what? Yeah. yeah. So when you got it up here, it's here. So you know, and and then also to be able to uh, share my story with kids across the world about how there are jobs in professional sports that they may not have even heard. I, I share that story with my students in Detroit and I, and I like sharing it with kids all over because uh, we need to make kids aware of other positions in, in sports that they didn't even know. You know, a lot of kids say they're going to make it to the team and make it to the NBA, NFL, and MLB and, and really... They just they're just saying that they're not putting in the work to do it, but but check this out, Keon. I'm, I'm call Keon out. I like using Keon's name. I'm gonna call you out, Keon. But if you do wanna um, be a DJ now, the, these sports teams need DJs too. You said you like DJing, and it's just exposing them to other things, and uh, and and I'm. I'm thankful that that I'm in the space to be able to do that and to speak genuine, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that that's another gift that I have. I feel like just keeping it real with the kids and letting them know this is how it is. And you can you can get on or you can get off pretty much. You can do it right. Or you can do it wrong. Yeah. And there's going to be a consequence either way. Yeah. Well, I, I think the passion that you so clearly had and still have for your students and your time in the classroom is an awesome example for, you know, teachers who are really connected to that experience of working with students on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's a great reference point to hear you talk about what drew you from that space into another part of the education sector, inspired you to the point where you felt like you had a real passionate connection with this other project that you could use as a, a vehicle for your personal mission around education and the NBA and the way that students could connect to their learning. Um, so I hope that the conversation and the insight and your experience provides educators with a framework to think about, you know, A, what does it look like to be a really passionate, engaged, and caring educator in the classroom, as well as being an innovative and forward-thinking teacher? And then what does it mean for me as an educator to leverage an opportunity that's come available that takes advantage of my talents and my passion and my personal vision for the world. So thank you so much for sharing that story, Calvin. Really appreciate all that you bring to the organization, to our team and your background. And we're excited to continue talking about the mission of Learn Fresh and the vision for our work as we move forward in future episodes. Thanks everyone for tuning in. The Learn Fresh podcast is produced by myself, Calvin Seibert, Nick Monzi, and Sumner Becker with additional production assistance from Caitlin Patterson. Sumner Becker also does our engineering, editing, and music. The Learn Fresh podcast is part of the Side Audio Network, an audio community founded by Jeremiah Ote and Naranjan Kumar. The Side Audio Network hosts podcasts that aim to transfer trust between people and communities through storytelling and conversation. 